0: I just need to look at you for a moment. It is uh, it is a special day today. I know you will be beyond excited when you hear uh, what the committee has to say to you in a little bit. I I'm <clears throat> looking at the calendar, uh, and uh, I realized that uh, I will not be here uh, next Sunday. Of course, you're going to listen to the new pastor preaching if you have a call. But uh, when I come back on the 26th, uh, it'll be exactly two years since I came. I've been here 104 Sundays by then. Um, no, I didn't mean to say that. I just wanted to say that, that you know, I fall in love with you. You all got great kids. You know, you 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 have had, you have great kids. You got great friends. You have great parents and great grandparents and all of that. This is a great place. You need to not forget this, right? God is in here and wants to be so in even stronger measure. I want to talk about that a little bit. It's good to see my friend Jerry here also. Jerry, we prayed for you. Uh, Jerry is uh, one of our precious friends also, have been very close to to uh, some very dangerous situations. So thank you, Lord, for bringing him back. And we prayed for several uh, like this, and we just don't want it to be just a matter of, of numbers of people. So, so uh, look at each other and pray for one another. We want to talk about who God is. Uh, today a little bit in psalm 24 if you kind of turn there right we have we have been through this long season of life together and this will kind of round this up so uh, we may lean in a little bit uh, stronger today maybe in a little bit more of a uh, of a thoughtful kind of way not so much just illustrative and inspirational but for us to think deeply and if you think about it, the last two Sundays of October, we're talking about what does it mean to, to actually live together with chain's minds as this kind of alternative way of looking at who God is and who the, what the world is, who His uh, creatures are. Uh, and so that brought us to, to uh, some considerations of that. And I want us to talk about the greatness of God. The call he has put on our lives, the, the, uh, the broad and strong and deep vision that, that comes with, with being his. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, we can get to wonder, have we forgotten that we serve a truly big God? Yes? That, you know, sometimes it's easy to kind of just domesticate God. He's like our God. And sometimes I wonder uh, when when we think about things if if he 's become our excuse me for saying this our fluffy friend right he 's supposed to be really, really happy when we come home, but other than that he shouldn 't mess with our lives too much sometimes I, I fear that we get to that, and to address that a little bit, um, I want us to kind of take a look at this this riveting uh, kind of uh, psalm that we have here called number 24 in the biblical hymn book. In Jewish tradition, this song was written to celebrate uh, and commemorate the entrance of the covenant. The Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, when David carried that in, is described for those of you who want to take some notes and maybe read about it. Three chapters of of the first uh, book of Chronicles. uh, And let me just read the summary verse at the end as that becomes an introduction to our text. And so after describing all these things in the preparation, so verse 28 of chapter 15 of 1 Chronicles. All of Israel brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts and with sounds of the ram's horn, with trumpets and cymbals and the playing of the harps and lyres and singing. Get there, friends. I'm going to ask you now if you can get there in your mind. Just kind of. Place yourself there. You will understand what's going on so much stronger if you get there. Let me read uh, with you and, and somewhat to you also uh, Psalm 24. And again, try to get there. Think of this as this coming, this great parade bringing in God's Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God. And it likely begins like this, right? Uh, like this. A choir begins to sing. Just envision this, right? You're, you're seeing the choir doing this majestic thing. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid his foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Then the voice cries out, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and another voice cries out who may stand in this holy place and a third one from another area cries out like this the one who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not appealed to what is false or as it may say more directly in the text who has not put his trust in idols and who has not sworn deceitfully Was sworn by a false God. And then a choir, an orchestra, the big chorus joins in and lifts everything up as they say, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Are you there yet, friends? I need you to get there in your mind. Then another choir comes forth and they say, lift up your heads, your gates, rise up ancient doors. Then the king of glory will come in and they shout that as they walk into the gates or through the gates into Jerusalem. And then another voice comes up and repeats it. Who is this king of glory? And the, the, the choir again, the big chorus and orchestra joins in and said, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, lift up your heads, your gates, rise up, ancient doors. And the voice comes again and cries out from the top of his lungs, then who is this king of glory? And everyone shouts out, saying, The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. Are you there, friends? I hope you're there. And it it will change everything in the way. You see, this was an epic event in every way you can look an event as epic. It had narrative force. It explained what was going on, and it had artistic quality. This is indeed a psalm that speaks to the reality of the many different voices that they all gather under the one voice to hear what this one voice is. The many voices that becomes one harmonious choir singing the praises to God. I hope you see this, friends. That's also why you need to be here. There's no harmonious choir just where you sit around, come here, join up with God's people. Let's carry in the presence of God on his praises. The more I contemplate this psalm, extraordinary as it is, it seems to me that this psalm, probably more than most, has a way of speaking to our many-voiced kind of postmodern reality at a level that is deeper and probably more comfort-shattering than we normally see things. This psalm truly speaks about the many worlds that are coming under the one voice. I hope you have it here. Some of you may want to take a couple of notes. And if I speak too fast with so many things here, uh, just jot down some notes or listen to it again later on. Look at this son, packed this it is. Who may ascend to the mountain of God? Not those who celebrate idolatry not those from the world of falsehood not those who lives in the area of deceit and lives with that as their reality not those who worship idols of whatever kind but those from the world of servanthood those from the hands and the hearts who are focused on serving the lord Many worlds coming together under one voice. Friends, we speak so much about all these things. I'm not going to hit some of them today in a somewhat of a collected kind of a thing here. We call our present kind of experience of reality postmodern. And, and, you know, for lack of a better term, what that refers to is the rejection of the idea that there is one universal truth that covers it all. The rejection of the idea that all truths by nature are true for all places at all times. Instead, we have we have subjectified truth that, that now I have my truth. You have your truth. This is true for me. This is true for you. And, and we all have our our, our own little truths running around. We find ourselves, I don't think anyone can deny it, or, or even want to try, in a melting pot of cultures and voices and, and, and just realities and ways of thinking about things that actually look more like the pre-modern world than it ever has. Here's the thing. At that time, just as now. And we live in the metroplex of Dallas where that's reality. This is not just something we talked about in Hong Kong or, or in, in New York City or in other great uh, world uh, metropolitan areas. This is now here. Dallas. Think about this. This melting pot where every little group Every little tribe, if you want to put it in that language, have their own little gods, their own little truth, their own little realities. And we kind of kind of lean into that in some way or another. We look like the pre-modern world. Many voices are speaking out, calling for attention. And it is into that that the psalm that we call the 24th speaks. With great voices. The psalm joyfully proclaims actually that, that there is but one voice under which everyone should gather. Don't miss this. There's one voice that has the strength and the depth and the height and the power to gather all of humanity under himself. That's your call, friends. That's our call as a church, to live into this in such a way that we actually can become announcers, heralds, messengers about the kingdom to every single person on this planet. That is our call, that we listen to that one voice. Whatever else we may listen to, that becomes the overarching voice be changed in the way you think Paul says will you allow me to think even bigger than that would you right we think of ourselves as a civilized nation yes that means that we think education is important for everybody. We train people to understand the world. We even call it high school, even though it's not that high at that time. But we anticipate everybody. There. So we, everybody's trained in, in so many areas to understand. There's a little bit of, of, of languages here, right? There's a little bit of literature here. There's a little bit of, of art here. A little bit of music here. A little bit of geography here. A little bit of history here. A little bit of math here. A little bit of science here. And on and on we go. Everybody goes through that because ultimately we understand the importance that we see the world not just our little snippet of it, right? Are are you understanding this? I'm not trying to be philosophical, I, I just want to see the power of what's coming here. Ultimately education is for us to understand better what it means that we live in a world that God created to better understand what it means to be the creature's who are created in the image of God. That's what that is about. We're seeking. When we do all this, it's because deep down, although it may be forgotten so many places, deep down, we're seeking and listening, even eavesdropping, on God, who has, what does it say here? Created the world and everything in it I hope you're hearing this friends notice how Psalm 24 saves us that we don't get lost in our own ideas and our own suggestions the life together that we call to live is under this one voice the earth is the Lord's and everything in it And all who live in it, provincialism, is out in Psalm 24. All that's interested, just me and mine, gone. Self-glorification is abhorred. Explanations of reality that leave God out are shunned attempts at trying to avoid God language for the sake of parading secular kind of explanation of creation are mocked. There is no room for the language of idolatry once you have read Psalm 24. There is no room for hypocrisy. There is no space given for by anything other than swearing by God, the Almighty. For the earth... Is he, his his. and it is those who recognize that that will ascend to the mountain of God. Be transformed, Paul says, in the way you think about everything. All the way back, 1955, Theologian wrote a book, still around, J.P. Phillips' book, Your God is Too Small. And he wasn't talking about God being small. He was talking about us making him too small. That book is still around, and it talks a little bit about the importance of that topic. Psalm 24 shows us that true learning, true understanding of what it means to be a human being cannot ever be separated from faith. Many worlds, many voices are speaking and clamoring for attention. But the voice that comes that we are supposed to listen to is the one that lifts us up from our own confinement in our own little self-absorbed valleys and it takes us up to the mountain of God where we feel the breeze of God's fresh wind come against us and we see the vastness of his plan and his vision. Are you following this? We serve a God about whom it can be said. Everything that is, and everyone that is in everything that is, he made. The implications, I think, are extraordinary. Sorry if this sounds a bit like just professor talk. But I think we are Stepping into so many things that speak directly to where we are as a church. And and when we come back again on the 26th, we're talking about Thanksgiving and then comes Christmas. So here's this moment where we will talk about these things. We, as his church, are called to be his messengers. We're called to gather around that one voice because we are about the very God about whom this is said that he created the whole world and everything in it. It's a global God who cares for every culture, every language, and every subculture, even in your neighborhood, even in your area. Every little group cares, are cared for by God. When people of secular persuasion those who think that you can put the world together and life together without God, try to solve even the naughtiest social problem as if, in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know him, if you don't Google him, look him up, as if there was no God. We, as his church, learning from Psalm 24, are uh, to look at the world exactly because there is a God. Are we getting this? Or am I just speaking. Are we getting this? Look here in this text again. Just notice what's going on. Just like faith without any kind of understanding leads to sectarianism, understanding without faith just leads to self-glorification and self-serving. It is time that we truly understand what it means to lift up the gates so that the king of glory may come in to invite, to invite all the worlds around us. And you know there are many. If you don't know, I sometimes just drive up and down the street of Louisville in this area and you see very distinct different cultures and areas and languages you can hear and colors you can see. We are called to be the voice for all people. Let me move on pretty quick. There's, there's one thing that has become so, so clear. You know, uh, the story of, of Babel. Right, in Genesis 11, uh, the people gather and decide to build a name for themselves. They will reach to the heavens without any need for God. And what happened? It has become now the, the kind of the story that is told also by by secular sociologists as they try to explain what's happening right now with social media. What happened was the whole thing collapsed and people scattered. They could not talk to each other, didn't understand each other's language anymore. What's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is the day of Pentecost. The birthday of the church. When God poured out his spirit and it is almost like the reverse language of what happened at the Tower of Babel. The highlight, the people from Mesopotamia or beyond and, and, and all these groups from around they're together and what do they say we all hear and speak with one voice that we all get that's our call friends Paul picks the same language up in 1 Corinthians, when, when that church, which was located in a city kind of like Dallas, maybe more like Hong Kong, uh, where you see every culture and every kind of people who come together and they say, well, how are we supposed to be Christians when all kinds of new habits and routines are coming in? And what is Paul's response? He quotes Psalm twenty. Four. because the world is the Lord's it is not your habits that matter it is not your uh, preferences that are important it is God's some of us may need to relearn everything just like Paul after his conversion had to leave and go to, to Arabia so that he could rethink what everything would look like now that God, Jesus Christ, had become his Lord. That's it. Because of Psalm 24, if you will, the whole earth is the Lord's. Our only question is to say, how can I, through my actions, through my words, help people of the other worlds to come in and join with me as we gather under the one voice. That is the Lord's. How can we help others ascend to the hills of the mountain of God? And sense that life-giving presence. That can be found no place else than the place where the king of glory comes marching in. Time is flying and I need to move on. There's so much here. You know, David asked these things with poetic force. Who may stand in his holy place? And the answer comes back so promptly. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul, a surrender to falsehood. Worship idols, if you will. That person is the one that will receive the blessing of God. I hope you're listening to this, friends. There's so much to be said. Spend a moment thinking about your worlds, those that come your way, your friends, your neighbors, your workmates, your classmates. Those you meet in the restaurant. Those you stand in line with behind when you're waiting for some something. Those that you talk to in whatever club you may be a member of. Those that you see around and you have a chance to say, let me invite you. Can we get to this point where not only are, do they do they know they're invited, they feel they are truly invited to come in. That's the experience where you get to this mountain of God, where you can see him. There's no division. It's all about unity. That's the emphasis on this text. There's one, one truth, and it's found. In Jesus Christ. Don't, don't mishear this. We, we are experts in compartmentalization. That's just who we are. We have one compartment for fact and we have another one for faith. We have one for truth and reality and another one for kind of value and conviction. It's like they don't ever need to collide sometimes. We have, had one on the social level for us and another one for the other Gonic folks. Our kind and their kind. But here's the call of this text, the call from God himself on our terms, that we will invite the whole world, many worlds, to come in under that one voice, that we may ascend to the mountain of God, feel the fresh breeze, The vision that comes from that place. Get out of the stuffy air of the valley of self-absorption and joy from the self. You know, we may get to, we get there to stand next to others throughout history that have gotten up there and shown the way. People who have said out loud, I've been to the mountains. I've seen the other side. My eyes have beheld His glory. This is what comes out of Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, open the gates, that the King of glory may come in. For we notice, I quoted also last Sunday, one day in his courts, is better than a thousand elsewhere, yes? Lord, there are some people who heard this message and there's some that need to rehear it. Father, some that are watching from a different place. May they see, and may we see, the need to stand together as people of all kinds, people from all kinds of worlds, people who have sung to other tunes before, and now we come together to stand in that choir that is willing to say and eager to proclaim that we're getting up to the mountain of God because we need to see what he sees. We need to be able to proclaim the kingdom that he has called us to proclaim. Would you let this resonate, Lord? In our minds, deeply, Shapingly, and in our hearts. Lord, there may be some that needs to talk to someone else about this. Either to find courage to be that voice for others or to come in under that one voice themselves. Speak, Lord, even at this moment, to all of us together and to each of us individually. Let that anticipatory desire fill everything about us. In your name we pray. Amen.